Access granted. Entering now. Welcome to the Lodge Trip Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Lodge Trip Show. We have a special guest and a friend on the show today, Oliver Nye. Oliver is a popular figure on YouTube and social media who only goes big or goes home, which in this case here today, it's about catching big bass and catching big dreams. A little bit about Oliver. He is the founder and creator of the Big Bass Dreams Project, which is the ultimate movement. A movement comprised of passionate anglers from all walks of life that share the journey, the battles, the ups and downs, the pure excitement and joy that this dream brings us. The story continues and he hopes to be able to share it with you all as it unfolds through his content, media and experiences as he chases Big Bass Dreams. Today on the show, we will be casting deep into the life of Oliver Nye and a story behind a huge movement that has encouraged and welcomed people from all diverse groups and cultures into the lifestyle of bass fishing and how it has helped him off the water in every area and quadrant of his life. Who's there? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Oliver. How's it going, man? What's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good with all the chaos that's going on in our world right now. Just hanging in there. No kidding. Yeah, how's things been with you? Uh, man, honestly, from my perspective, it, not a whole lot has changed as far as like pace and workload. Uh, what that workload consists of is kind of shifted, but uh, I'm staying busy. Um, yeah, have you been uh, not traveling as much as what you normally are used to, though, huh? Yeah, for the most part, my uh, my whole year was pretty much scheduled out already ahead of time, and that's come to a screeching halt. Uh, and I'm pretty much just working from home base here in Southern California until we get some clarity uh, on the current situations and figuring out uh, what kind of logistics uh, are going to pan out, and you know, see if I can start traveling again and creating some some more content. Yeah, hopefully they lift up the lockdown so we all can go back to the things that we enjoy to do. So, I mean, that's a very important thing for everybody and for our own mental health um, and overall well-being. Um, kind of just kind of diving into it is let the people uh, know a little bit about you, Oliver, and kind of what you do and who you are, and especially with uh, Big Bass Dreams. You got it, brother. Uh, well, for the viewers or listeners, uh that are new to, to who I am and what we do over at Big Bass Dreams. Uh, I'm Oliver Nye. And for the most part, I, I guess you can say I'm a content creator or influencer in the fishing space and really gained a lot of traction about eight years ago through our Big Bass Dreams project, which uh, originally started as a film series. And the niche that we kind of fell into and really rode was trophy largemouth bass fishing, especially here in Southern California, and have used that to branch across the country and as of last year, uh, internationally, and taking a lot of the same mindsets and uh, themes that we've been rocking with since the beginning and really implementing them in different fishing cultures uh, across the world. And it's been been a pretty wild ride, man. And, you know, we're trying to... uh, embrace change and stay ahead of the curve and stay flexible in what we do and it's a it's been an exciting time 
uh, up until about three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you have an influence on a, on a world base. Um, if people are listening that uh, don't know, um, you're you're in a lot of countries all over. I mean, I've I've never following because I'm from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, obviously, and the people that have been listening know that. And uh, just seeing some of your stuff in like our local shops and everything else is pretty cool. And to be watching everything you've been doing since I've, I mean, for years, many years. Um, and I've uh, had a huge respect uh, for you and what you've built through that and to be able to just bring more people into the cool aspect of what bass fishing is. I think you make it cool. I mean, I could say that about, uh, you know, some anglers out there that are professional too, of just making the sport look different. I mean, it's not, it's just a different type of, it's like kind of like more of a rock star type movement. You know what I'm saying? The, the cool, the cool kids type of thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like this, that what people do for skateboarding is, you know, making it look cool and you know what they're wearing and everything else and not just putting like a, a, you know, putting you inside of a box to where you have to be looking a certain way or you have to dress a certain way or, you know, this is where, you, you know, I always say about banjo music is like, you got to play the banjo music every time you're doing what you're doing, but you just make it look cool and to be able to bring more people into it. And you see a lot of young people, young kids that are in love with your brand, which is pretty cool what you built. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's, it's really humbling. It's really rad. And uh, first shout out to Becker's Tackle Shop, of course, and uh, Blake and all those guys over there in Coeur d'Alene. Got to uh, spend some time there for the first time this last fall on my, my way home. Uh, you guys got a pretty sweet little town there, man. Yeah, it's a hidden gem. I, I don't want to talk about it too much on the podcast, only because I don't want <laughs> yeah we won't blow it out of the water but uh (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting that you make that point about uh making it cool and and really from my perspective i'm not making it cool like fishing has always been dope now how it's been portrayed through content uh for guys especially like in my generation that grew up as kids in the 90s uh was different that's all it was yeah but like us west coast kids like we had to wake up super early on Saturday mornings because uh, TNN Outdoors, that where the bulk of the outdoor programming was, like they didn't show any love to the West Coast. Like we, I'd have to wake up like at four or five in the morning to catch all the fishing shows. And what did I have in common with any of those show hosts besides the fishing? Pretty much nothing. Really, the fishing itself was enough for me to overlook the cultural differences from those people that I was so excited to wake up and watch. And really, I'm hoping that what we're doing now through all of our platforms, especially through the YouTube stuff, is that people from that other side of the table can do us a favor and give us a chance and do the exact same. Because although I'm an LA you know, uh, kid, I'm an urban kid, I'm a city kid at heart, but I love being outdoors. Like, if you actually gave me a shot, you gave any of the other creators that fall under our umbrella a shot, like, you might find insight and value and and see that, man, we love it just as much as anybody else. That's kind of the the ongoing theme with what we're doing is that, man, we're just being ourselves. And if you can relate to us on whatever levels, whether that's the music we choose, whether it's the way we dress, the shoes we wear, the baits we throw, whatever at the end of the day like if you sat down at a bar with me and had a drink and you realized i was a fisherman i i would put money on it that we would have a pretty rad conversation (laughs) 
Uh, I relate so much with that. Um, now, you ever get any like people that, I don't know if it's like some people think that you have to dress a certain way or be a certain way, but I think that the community is such a like open arm community to where I don't think people really care that much, but people that I'm sure like those that have not really been in the fishing industry probably think that it's one certain way. So you ever get any like, not like lashback, but uh, people that get confused of like seeing you or like the music you choose or the clothing you, you choose to do, like choose to wear anyways, uh, and how that doesn't really fit the profile or do you get like confusion there a little bit from people? Uh, de- definitely early on. And it's, it's a funny thing. Like one of the things that I started doing out here on the West coast before many people were doing, were wearing like the face protection shields and I found like the, like the first one I was wearing was actually from the buff brand. And dude, you know where I, where I bought it was the fly fishing section of Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm so over putting sunblock on every day. Like I hate it. It sucks. Like, oh, that's a pretty cool solution. But like, obviously I started filming and shooting pictures with it on and, you know, out came the, oh, what are you going to do? Rob a liquor store, you know, comments and <laughs> this, that, and the third. And man, it's interesting because like the last couple of weeks, like last night I had to go into the supermarket to go pick up some food and like, they want you to cover your face. So I was walking around like in like suburb, like you're like here in Long Beach, California with like a fishing face shield on. And normally like if I did that a month or two months ago, like everybody would have been like red alert. Yeah. You get arrested or something. For sure. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it's just, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, but I think when people are uh, just open to, man, I don't even know what the point was that I was trying to make. I kind of lost myself there. Mm-hmm. I'll bring you back home. Yeah, I think uh, really when you look around with the West coast anglers to, I mean, and I think everybody's all in one in one family with things, but you, you could see the younger generations gravitating more to, and it's just inevitable. I mean, you, you can't, I mean, old, there is older generation of fishing and then there is, you know, the, the different ones that trickle down from it all the way to, you know, the ones that I don't even know is it, what's the generation below uh, millennials. What is that? Yeah. The exciting thing for, for me is actually seeing the influx of new participation in the sport. And, and really obviously you got the younger generation, but you're, you're seeing it across all demographics. Yeah. Like guys in their twenties and their thirties and their forties and their fifties. Like I, I actually did a, a round of trade shows this year, uh, amidst all of this um, virus um, situation. And, I was really pleasantly surprised to see how much new growth there was. You know, I kind of poll all of my seminar attendees, like how many of you guys have been fishing for, you know, 20 plus years, 10 plus years, five plus years, three years, one year. And it, I was really shocked at how many hands went up when that one to three year period and yeah. really like the variety of people that was represented by those hands. I'm like, Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I and, and really, I've also been surprised at like how many of the older guard will like find like time and effort to come find me after a seminar and and engage with me. Like, man, like that's really cool. 
Oh, it's the best best part to you is the one in three years. I have a buddy that's down here in Arizona, and he's addicted. Like, I mean, I, I warned him before he got into it. So I'm like, you want to go out all the time, and maybe that might create some conflict with your, your lady at home, too, because you always want to spend the weekends fishing and not doing anything else. So he, he <laughs> used that all nine, whole nine yards, just rap boat, sponsors, doing, you know, philanthropy events, uh, with like, you know, throwing the charity events for the Boys and Girls Club here in Arizona and, and raising money and, and just being in the fishing community. And I, I think once you get entrenched into that, it's just, you're, you're forever set. You know, I, I honestly believe that you get people the opportunity, even if you don't like fishing. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you are the same way in some sort with, you're kind of biased in, in a way where you're biased towards the experiences that the sport of fishing and just being in the outdoors has created for you. And you, I, I always like to take that one hard, like the hard guy that just like is in business or he's an athlete or somebody that is like, oh, well, I don't, I would not, like, I can't do that. Like, oh, that must be hard. That's boring or whatever. I don't like to stand the whole entire time, you know, and I, I take him out and you see things change. And until you go out there and do it and you, and you go a couple of times, and you see the experiences that you, you're creating from it, uh, you can never really go back. It's a, it's a very unique experience uh, and activity and one that reaches so many different people. And it's funny, it's actually, I was watching a, a different podcast last night. It's called All the Smoke. And it's hosted by uh, two former NBA athletes, mm-hmm. uh, Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. Yep. And they actually had, yeah, they had Deion Sanders on. And, you know, I'm just listening to these guys, you know, kind of just yap it up and, and you can hear like just that that passion that those guys got for both the game of football and basketball. And I was just my my, my roommate was actually making a comment about Dion. And you know the funny thing is like I've actually spoken to Dion on the phone because he loves to bass fish. <laughs> and like he's we've been trying to like message each other back and forth, and I actually get out fishing with with prime time. Like who doesn't want to do that? But it's wild to me that I've been able to connect with like people at the very top of what they do. I mean, just the other day I got a text from Aaron or I'm sorry, AJ Burnett and just like checking in like, Hey man, everything good over there. And it's like, hey, what the heck? Like fishing is such an incredible thing because it brings people literally from all backgrounds together. Like once you, feel that that tug on the end of your line man like it changes people it does it really does and that's one mission of even within this podcast they really just bring people from all different worlds together in diverse realms kind of like what you're doing even for your your brand of big bass dreams and and the depth to it is you know it, it just i've watched it change people and i think that it's Fishing doesn't even do as much for me as much as, much as what, uh, watching it do its wonders for people around me. And I think that I feel like we're so spoiled with it that I think that you need just to continue to keep wrapping more and more and more people into it to experience something more, especially with this whole pandemic that's going on. You, you look at it, of, you really see the people that really have, like, do they have outdoor activities to do? I mean, I'm sure some places are different than others. I'm sure they close down lakes. And because people have wakeboarding boats and they're partying and having a good time um, and they ruin it for some other people and not really taking the whole social distancing to, uh, you know, to the max with it. But I think that if you're able to get involved with those things, especially when you reach times like this, it, you'll be glad that you were introduced to it when you did. 
And I think that that's one thing that's cool about it is to always give you an outlet to lie. If you look at guys like Deion Sanders, you look at some of the professional athletes on another note, <clears throat> they play a sport. Now I love sports. I'm sure you do too. You're urban guy comes from, you know, you're in California. It's sports hub. Sports only that's last. Right. I've talked to a lot of, I had a, uh, you know, CJ process on a podcast uh, back in the fall. Um, Seahawks running back. And you, you talk to all these guys and, you only play the sport for so long until what are you left with? I mean, you can golf, you know, you look at major league baseball guys, 50% of them like to golf, the other 50% of them like to hunt and fish, but it's something that gives you something to look forward to after you're done because you see a lot of the, the problems that they deal with and nobody will ever truly understand unless you went through it. I don't understand as much when you bang your head a lot in, in the NFL or even just in college football. Um, and, you end up resorting to drinking a lot. You end up resorting, resorting to drug abuse only based off of that you were taking, you know, drugs like painkillers and, and other things like that to deal with the pains that you've had because you couldn't take anything else based off of regulation. So there are things that they deal with on a mental standpoint that nobody will truly understand. And that's one thing that the outdoors provides to them. And I, it doesn't surprise me that Randy Moss, you know, people like Golden Tate that I've spoke to that he actually wanted to become a professional bass angler back when he was younger and he chose football, obviously, you know, cause he was, right. but why is that? And it's something where they can just disconnect from the world and they don't have to worry about anything. And it almost is because they're used to doing the same thing every day. They're used to working out, getting up, working out, repeat, play a game, you know, travel, everything else. And it's something to where they can be able to just be out there and enjoy their time with their kids and be able to introduce something to their kids and give them something their kids something to look forward to if they get into sports and do the same thing that they did uh throughout their career so i just think overall it's an amazing thing just overall outdoors yeah and i think fishing is very uh it's poised to to really impact the the vast majority of people you always see those stats about how more people fish than participate in any other sport and it's because i feel like some form of fishing is within reach for so many people. And even in the content we've been generating uh, recently, uh, you're going to see me fishing out of the super nice bass boat with all the fancy electronics, this, that, and a third with the live scope. But then you're also going to see me walking like the beaches of Southern California, trying to catch halibut from the sand. Like anybody can do that. And, and really, I think that's where the power of like the big bass dreams movement really started because like when we were growing up, like tournament fishing was really the only way to make it, right? You had to be a, a hammer like a Brandon Polinick, uh to, to have a realistic way to make a living within fishing. But now that's not the case. Like you got these young creators being superstars from pond hopping in their neighborhood, like little lakes and ponds. And it's because it reaches so many people that can relate to that level of fishing. Like it can be as simple or as complicated as uh, homegrown or as like adventurous as you want it to be. And I think it's unique in that, in that sense. Yeah, I agree with that. It just gives, I mean, the young kids, I mean, you, it's cool to see what, what is created out there. I mean, it's just one thing after another, after another. And there's people and actually, I wanted to at least say this too, and I kind of skipped over it, but when you said something about like seeing Deion Sanders and everything else and you guys, you know, exchanging texts and other athletes too, 
a lot of these guys that are in the outdoor world don't understand that there's a lot of people that are celebrities. There's, there's, I mean, if people think celebrities are cool and whatever, I mean, they all got to the top and they all have a good, they all have a talent and they're, they specialize in that talent. So that's what my respect goes to them for. And I think people don't realize that these guys look up to outdoor people, like the, like guys like you, you know, the, the Brandon Polonix, you know, just the guys like in other outdoor sports and they don't realize that, you know, I think some of them do. I think when you start exchanging texts and you start talking to them, you do, but it's almost just like an aha moment where you're like, wow, okay, well, I actually am, you know, making an impact and, and really being seen. And it's, and that's, what's cool. I think people kind of under, undervalue that sometimes and they don't really know it as much. And that's one thing that's cool about young people and younger, younger generations and people that are older, you know, taking advantage of, you know, really showing their outdoor experiences because people from all different makes makeshifts and models are watching them and it's bringing people together. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way it connects people, I think is what continually surprises me and especially on those new like international runs I was doing last year, you know, we did a series in Spain fishing European pike with a bunch of French anglers that relocated there. And those guys are like bass fishing hammers. And yes, there's tremendous bass fishing in Europe. And I went to Australia two, di two different times and, you know, went into Canada a couple times. Like everybody has that same level of love and passion and it's uh, life and fishing have so much in common. There's so many parallels and I use fishing as an example of that and like, man, just infiltrating these different fishing cultures allows me to learn so much that I can implement into my own fishing game. And you see that throughout the content. Things I learned fishing big bluefin here in California apply when I'm fighting a big largemouth and things that I learned, you know, trophy largemouth fishing applied in musky fishing. Things I learned from musky fishing applied to European pike. Uh, and like it just, the learning never stops. And the more you expose yourself to other passionate people, whether this is fishing or life related, like the more knowledge and experience you gain to, to benefit from and apply to your own life or fishing. Like it's, it's a crazy like wormhole to like go through, man. <laughs> I just find myself falling deeper and deeper into this hole <laughs> and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, even just uh, going on that point of, what's one big thing that you could say that you've learned throughout your experiences through bass fishing and just overall outdoors that you apply to life? Like what's that big, let's like, what's that number one? Cause I know we, I can tell you of just like my key points or key things. It doesn't have to be one thing. It could be multiple things, but something that uh, you can tell the, the listeners out there that are, that do outdoor stuff that, you know, what are people that want to Man, the, the one thing is, whether it's in regards to fishing or life, is you cannot substitute experience. You can digest all the content in the world, all the how-tos, but unless you actually go out there and try to apply that information and incorporate it in your own way, it's all for naught. Like, just get out there and do it and be willing to, to fail. I, I see way too many people that are petrified 
to show any weakness to show like oh man i got skunked or like i tried this new business venture and it didn't work out like and now i'm branded as a failure a terrible fisherman a terrible businessman a terrible whatever and it to me that's a that's an insane mentality it's the same guys that throw dirt at kobe bryant that said he never passed the ball even though he he leads all time in assists from the shooting guard position or that he leads uh, all stats and missed shots ever. But like, so what? Look at the other side of the coin. Look at his body of work. Like you're willing to forego all the good stuff because you're afraid of a missed shot. And I see the same thing in fishing, especially. Does any of that make sense? Oh, still there? Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, that's uh, um, it's well put, my friend. I mean, that's that's a huge thing that I I I try to go in more depth on fishing outdoors as whole of you know not sounding like one of those crazy Looney Bens are like saying outdoors, 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 outdoors. You should do this because it's just great. It's going to be awesome for you, and you should change your whole life that revolves around it. And that's not the point. It's just I've seen some of the most successful. Uh, professionals, business professionals, um, that's created a huge empire for themselves based off of the outdoors. Now, how do you explain that? And I've interviewed, I've talked to people. I feel like the podcast kind of gave me an avenue to just have people listen to the conversations that I normally already have on a day-to-day, you know, you know, just activities that I normally have, like with people just where it's like, okay, well, wow, I wish I could have this on a podcast to have people listen to because I feel like I'm not crazy here. Like I, I'm telling you guys, like this is something that will change your life. And then you can apply a lot of the adversity aspects with what you, you know, things that you just don't just go out there and just automatically do it. Right. You have to learn through failure, which then you end up having some successes out of the way, but there is a lot of failure involved with it and just being okay with the humility. And so I've just learned through people, especially business professionals of why they are good at what they, what, what they're in. And they applied into the outdoors. Yeah. They're okay with not being good at something. They were not good with it to begin with when it was business, right? When they first started their company. It's all, you can apply it all, all across the board. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a big thing, man. I think that even, even going back into things that are going on in our world right now, I mean, it's just being able to enjoy those things and to be able to go out and, to just disconnect and to be able to see exactly, I mean, yeah, you can apply a lot of it to life and knowing that you always have this here, no matter how bad life gets, no matter what comes through or how you, you always have it. You always have it. It'll never go anywhere unless, and we got to preserve it. I'm, I'm guarantee that you obviously want to, you're all about the conservation of, of, you know, making sure that everything is stays the way it is with our lakes and, you know, our forest and wilderness and everything else just to preserve that for the generations below us. Because I would hate to see those things get taken away. You know, and I, I research a lot of stuff. I, I always stay in tune with what's going on in the world for public lands and lakes and, and things like that to just make sure that, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's going to be here, you know, 100 years from now, 200 years from now for people to be able to, to utilize. Yeah, you just touched on a subject that's, uh, really really important to me and you know i'm i'm not a young spring pup anymore man uh, i come from a generation maybe two like 
before you and I see the culture being influenced in negative ways and in the regard that some opportunities that existed for a young Oliver don't exist anymore. And like, unless everybody actually mobilizes and takes action on it instead of just, you know, bitching about it on social media, like nothing's going to change. Like we actually have to put in effort and work and a little bit of sacrifice to uh, have a positive impact on our culture. And, and I'm trying to work hard to build our platform so that we can leverage that and actually, you know, create some new opportunities for youth fishing programs here in Southern California that don't exist anymore. Uh, um, but now we need the resources to do it uh, first. So that's kind of where my focus is now, but I mean, that's, that's at the top of the list of like things we want to impact as, as a, as a brand and as a, as a, just a group of passionate fishermen. Like it's important that uh, we bring new youth into it and as well as just new blood. Like I talked about earlier, it doesn't matter if they're five-year-olds or if they're 50-year-olds. Like we need the leverage of having participation uh, to influence all of these policies. And like, I do, I, I do not touch politics, but there's, there's definitely strength in numbers is all I'm going to say. <laughs> and, uh, and when those numbers dwindle, like, dude, you could just pretty much, I mean, I'm watching like our fishing uh, opportunities shrink and shrink and shrink. Like it's it's getting harder to do what we do, man. And it's a big part of what pushed me out of Southern California to go explore like greener pastures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope this generation of young creators can uh find some enlightenment and really push for the positive growth of our fishing culture overall instead of just you know, attention and short-lived like YouTube fame or whatever it is that may drive them. Um, and we can all be in a better place for it and continue to enjoy like all the dope elements that fishing uh, provides us in our lives. Like, man, I can't believe it's impacted my life the way it has. You know, I grew up in Southern California and uh, worked in and uh, I'm sorry, and I worked in uh, construction management and, you know, made a decent living. And you know, what was sold to me as, uh, you know, someone's American dream of having a secure, stable, financial, uh, secure job and being able to, to, to live somewhat financially free, but then like, as far as my freedoms go and, and actually doing what I wanted with my time, like, there was none of that. And now I get to just pretty much document my fishing and share the experiences with the world and get to call that a living. It's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. So I'll always be grateful to, to the sport um, for allowing me to, to live this, even though it's never easy. Like people might think, Oh man, it must be nice to, to fish for a living. Like, bro, <laughs> if you only knew, you see why very few people do it. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. I heard that a few too many times. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, but you know, people have that that kind of behavior and attitude towards anybody in a position that they envy. 
right, oh, must be nice to live in that nice house in that nice neighborhood. Must be nice to drive that car. Must be nice to have this, that, a third. It just, it's it's a strange um, human behavior. Yeah, they don't see the, the things that it took to build that lifestyle in anything. Right. You know, it's just that I hear it all the time. It just, instead of focusing on your life and the things that you can't control, you know, it's just, I feel like everybody, especially, I mean, you still have the same thing with older generations where it's keeping up with the Joneses, but it, if you, younger generations always want something that's, that's more than what they have. And it's just sometimes, like, if you can find a state of happiness within where you're at now, you're going to always be happy. No matter even if you get the money, you get the house, you get the boat, you get, you, you have this, whatever, at least as long as you know of how you earned it, I, you honestly don't, don't care what anybody else thinks. Right. And that same way is how you do it. You're continuing doing what you do. And when, if, if you want to take somebody as like, take your kid to work day and maybe that kid, kid's age might be 40 years old as saying that it must be nice. <laughs> uh, they can actually see how much work it really goes into it. And it, they'll be shocked of how much it does. Cause I guarantee yeah. you a lot of hours you have put in my friend, a lot of hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's been a pretty wild eight years, man. And I, I was having a conversation with some with a group of mine on my Patreon page about like, man, I've I have not had the luxury of what people consider free time or a day off in these eight years. Because there's so much I want to do. Like I'm I'm rather aggressively ambitious and I just understand that there's only one way for me to get there because there is only one way for me to get to even this point, which if you asked me ten years ago if it was possible, I'd be like, Bro, you're crazy. Like there's no way. <laughs> Right. But that's all part of like that character arc as human beings. I feel that I, unfortunately some people don't go through, right. I I can kind of understand some of this mentality because a younger version of me may have thought that way. And, and more experienced version of me sees that I was flawed and I was an idiot. I was an immature, you know, jackass and and entitled and like, man, how come that guy's got that? And I don't have it. You know, especially from people that didn't have much, like I, like like me growing up. You know, I, I come from very very humble beginnings, man, and it makes me appreciate anything nicer in life, whether it's food, whether it's fishing equipment, whether it's living situations, uh, the quality of the people I surround myself with, because I've seen what the other stuff's like, and and the only way that I've seen progress in a positive way is when I worked for it, like straight up. And that, that applies to even my fishing. Like, Oh, you want to go catch a big, large amount of bass on a giant swim bait. You're just going to have to go out there and work at it and spend the gas money and the days and the time and the, and go through the frustrations and miss those big bites after two weeks of blanking. And you're just going to have to go through the experience and hopefully make those mental adjustments to minimize your mistakes and just get better, get better, get better. Yeah. I, I'll even kick on that point of where it's the experience, which I, I express this a lot about when people in all age groups too, it's not just one, but you, you said it on both ends. It's the experience that counts the most. You, you can blank every single day and then eventually end up, you know, catching that one big one on a swim bait and, you know, you get all the photos, you get the video of it, but you're probably taking long hours of content of not catching anything to just get that one moment. See, that's the same thing that applies to life. So 
everything throughout it's the experience it's people that are just looking at a just catching that that big largemouth bass on a swim bait you know right away same thing as is like getting that that one you know milestone benchmark for your company that you really want to hit or you want to you you're working out in the gym and you really want to you know look this way in a short amount of time is it's normally the process and the journey and the experiencing throughout that and where that's what that's what builds the character that's what that's one thing that's great about the whole entire thing and i think that some lose side of that to where they just want to just be at the end but it's not the end destination that's you know the most fulfilling side of it it's the process it's the experiencing and i bet you you love the process even now than ever when you actually go through those days of trying to catch that big large mouth bass on a swim bait you know what i'm saying so that's the thing is what we remember the most of how long it took to get to that point to finally get that 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 split second to where it just created a huge like a, a, a priceless memory out of it I think it's just just my take on it. it just goes on both sides yeah you're absolutely right i mean this is a topic that we could probably spend hours discussing <laughs> uh but it's a it's a cliche you do hear like from guys that are perceived as being successful in whatever field right learn to love the process and the struggle and not the end result not not the um not not reveal or revel in the goal itself but like how you got to that goal. And it's just, let's go back to fishing. You know, it's not me holding up that 10 pounder. It's all of those epiphanies that came to me through the process that I learned from where like that light bulb goes, goes off and I realize that I can continue to duplicate it and maybe even do it better the next time. That's what I'm in love with not me lifting that 10 pounder for all the, you know, likes on the ground. <laughs> like it's knowing that I can do it again and again and again and hopefully do it bigger and better. Yeah. It it's kind of reminds me of all the questions I get when I take people out fishing for the first time and they're like, so, uh, how often do you catch fish? Cause it's like that one time where you're not catching anything, right? <laughs> You know, and they're like, so how long do you, how, how many hours do you normally fish? Do you, you like, like, do you take breaks? Do you eat any food? Do you do any, like, you know, I get like tons of people ask me that question and I'm just like, and, and they're just in awe of like, this guy's crazy. This guy's absolutely crazy. And so you, you can only <laughs> think here of how it applies back to everything else to where it just is like just being out there. And I think that when you talked about, young people using it for the good and not for the bad uh, that are in the outdoors that are posting stuff and making videos and being like that, that short term lived, you know, star is, I think, I think some people lose the, my only hope is people not lose the point of what this is all about and not lose it. It's just like the only reason why you do what you do and you, you create all this content is because you genuinely get probably chills down your back when you watch something that you know how it felt and you want people to feel the same experience that you felt in that moment. And that's the reason why I post what I post and then why I want to do things to, you know, the brands like Endurosport that I own for Submit Company. It's just, I want people to understand the experiencing uh, through people's worlds and to feel what they felt and not just about, you know, the notoriety and the fame because it doesn't really matter. It honestly doesn't even matter at the end of the day. And I think that it's normally like you, you people think that those guys are crazy. It's like when you hike a mountain trying to go elk hunting and you're like, you know, like, for example, like my dad, just you'll hike six miles one way on foot and you'll be crazy. People think he's crazy, but 
you see why somebody could be successful in other areas like business and in their life and dealing with stress and heartache and adversity because they're used to dealing with that when you're on the other side of the coin here in the outdoors. Yeah, man. That's crazy. This is getting deep enough to drop a spoon on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talk about Mr. Big Bass Specialist over here. What would you say to the people that might be in bass fishing right now and pretty avid, you know, hardcore or people that want to get into it of what your 10 top fishing tips and locating uh, the biggest bass uh, on the lake that they choose? Oh, my gosh. Top 10? Or you can just do whatever tips. Top tips. Like, oh, my like, goodness. Um, <laughs> oh, man, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to sound terrible because there's no easy answers here, right? Everybody wants a life hack. Everybody wants to know what lure I'm fishing. Uh, uh, top, like, I only need 10 things. Like, oh, that's impossible. You need an infinite amount of experience to draw from. Yeah. Uh, that I'm still trying to work on, right? But just be open-minded. Don't necessarily chase uh, what you've done in the past, let alone what somebody else did on the past. Like, don't chase bites. Like, go out there and go figure it out on your own because even the guys that have shared some of the most incredible fishing moments that I've experienced in my own boats, dude, those guys haven't caught jack most of the time. They ended up being my net, my net boys. And they're watching firsthand all of this stuff go down, but they're, they're a step behind. They're not thinking progressively and fishing in the moment. Does that make sense? They're, they're even chasing my last cast and not trying to stay open-minded and adapt to the changing current conditions or the current state of the fish. Like, if you watch any of the content, you'll see the deck of the boat is a cluster. <laughs> and it's organized chaos and it's because i'm continually asking new questions to those fish as those conditions continue to change so staying ultimately uh flexible and not falling into like habits uh, is a really important part of my fishing style yeah and it, it really allows me to just go anywhere i go and have the empowering ability to continue to piece the puzzle. And initially, it might take me a little bit longer to figure out a bite. It generally takes me like two to three days to really get kind of dialed into something. And you'll see that in our recent Clear Lake series on the Big Bass Dreams YouTube channel. The first couple episodes, I'm just exploring new waters, trying a bunch of different baits, or catching some fish, and then like day three hits, and you start paying attention to little nuances and, and details and all of a sudden, oh, okay, now we're starting to get better. Okay, we're catching more fish. They're getting bigger. Like, oh, this is getting insane. <laughs> and, and it's a process. So just like we talked about earlier, embracing the process, like that's, that's the thing with this fishing, man. And uh, it's piecing the puzzle every time because it's a different puzzle every time. Even if you fish the same lake every single day, it's never the same. Nope. It's humbling. The most humbling. And that's, I think that's the best way to put it. It's not even about, and even just the, the tips wise, there's even tips on mindset when you're, when you're fishing. And I could even add to it of where 
you know, if people ask, it doesn't matter about the size of the bait, you know, it is the bigger bait, the bigger bass, you know what I'm saying? So that's one thing where it's kind of like, okay, you know, do you, like, if somebody looks at your swim bait and they're like, wow, that's big, I've, I've got told this a million times where we're like, geez, like something bites on that. Like that's something I would use in the ocean. <laughs> and and yeah. it's funny because I'm a pretty accomplished ocean saltwater fisherman, and most of the time they don't like giant, huge baits. They're eating anchovy and sardine or little no seams. Like, it's the opposite. The freshwater fish eat bigger baits, like, on average. Yeah. And some people don't <laughs> like that. They, they try it out. They try the, the bigger bait out, and they don't catch as many. And that's one thing that just even go back to your point with, you know, not going for just how many bites because that's how you just keep yourself motivated because you get adrenaline rush when you're catching more fish. But obviously, like, they don't like throwing it for, you know, 50 plus casts and not catching anything, right? That's the biggest thing for, for people is that they try to. Yeah. And you're like, well, geez, I don't really want to touch this. My dad's, my dad actually used to be the same way up until I, I forced, I literally forced him to tie on uh, uh, this custom HUD that, that we had on Coeur Lake and it, it, he ended up using it. Well, he hooked into a nine and a half like about nine, nine and a half uh, in the tournament. This is April. This is where obviously the big, bigger ones come out to play a little bit. And it hooked him. Like now he has one tied on every single time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. And, and really, I think people listening, especially on the newer end of the spectrum, just understand what it is you're looking to experience out of your fishing and be okay with that and just go do that. And that's something I ask my clients when I do these high end, you know, big bass streams, personal training sessions. It's like, well, what do you, what is, what is it that you're looking to experience here? Like what's your experience level and like, what do you want to learn? But most importantly, like what is your biggest takeaway that you want from fishing with me? Is it learning how to catch a bunch of fish? Okay. We can go do that. Is it learning how to, target the biggest fish of your lifetime well let me look at your body of work and your experience level and make an assessment of whether or not you i think you're ready because there's levels to this and i i went through that growth as an angler right where i wanted as many bites as i can get catch as many fish as i can get and then if i stumbled on a good one awesome but i didn't have the experience level or the the knowledge base to know how to effectively target the bigger ones but i knew how to catch fish and it's something that i think a lot of the new guys kind of skip especially the trophy hunters right they see uh guys all over instagram holding up big swim bait fish and like yeah they they want to get to that without understanding there's like all these fundamentals and bass fishing styles and techniques that make some guys like me consistently effective mm -hmm. they think it's the bait that i'm throwing like oh man if i figure out what lake he's on and the spot he's fishing and i throw that bait that color i'm going to catch those fish too nah bro no nope uh, and the problem is like once in a while those guys are so stubborn and hard-headed like they throw nothing but that and i i get that mentality too because i did it for six seven years straight bro like like, don't come at me with the whole big bait or die thing. Like, I lived it, like, six, seven years straight. And I learned a ton from it. I learned that, man, there's a ton to put that stuff down. But I also learned that there's no such thing as a magic bait or a magic lure or a magic anything. It's 
it's a culmination of so many small details that make the difference. So all you guys that are new to the game, especially the big, big game, don't make fun of the dude with the spinning rod. Oh, I guarantee oh. you if I see him a couple of things, man, that fundamental base of knowledge that that guy at that finesse rod has in his hands is going to turn him into a hammer with a big, big. Well, I think uh, you and I need to talk a little bit more because I, I use a fairy wand quite a bit. People probably make fun of me <laughs> more than anything else. And I'm, I, I had a tournament on uh, Lake Roosevelt uh, a few weeks ago. I didn't pre-fish for it because my buddy asked me last second. I'm like, well, I don't really like to just show up to a tournament and spend all the money to fish this dang thing if uh, I don't pre-fish. So it's like kind of like donating at the end of the day. But we chose to. And he's like, oh, fish is going to be fire, man. Like, we're going to go out there and catch them. They're, they're you know, they're right. I'm like, yeah, I hear this all the time. You say it's going to be great. This never goes the way you want it to. So let's just think the opposite of what you're thinking right now and create another game plan. So and he's like, he shows up pre-fishing the day before it because there was no off limits till the, the day of the tournament. And he was like, dude, there's cold front coming in. Everybody's struggling. The locals are struggling. And this is my first time ever fishing like Roosevelt. And fast forward this whole entire thing. It's tough. Okay. I end up drop. I use my, you know, drop shot rod. I'm, I'm using finesse and I'm, I'm, finesse fishing in about 40 feet of water in bushes uh with uh eight pound tattoo line you know fluorocarbon and he's thinking i'm crazy i'm like well normally everybody thinks i'm crazy by using the square one but we end up catching our limit and about 75 percent of the field blanked we were in the top uh 10 you know, and things like that, where it's, it seems weird when you do it, but that's, I get made fun of all the time. Cause my dad always calls me the fairy wand guy. So. Well, let's, yeah, let's touch on that a little bit. Like where is this line drawn and by whom of what is masculine and what is not in fishing styles and techniques and equipment? Because I think that is the most funny thing ever. Cause usually those dudes that are calling somebody a sissy uh, because they fish, whatever it is, whether it's a fly rod or a, spinning rod or a regular bait it's like bro you probably couldn't even do 20 push-ups right now if you had to like like there's no rhyme or reason of like what determines if something is like manly in the fishing game like that is the most weird dynamic ever yeah oh it's it's ongoing man i i just I get it all the time because it's like you have you have people that claim themselves as I'm a power fisherman I'm this type of fisherman I, right. and I'm just like you know honestly man like I like to be very versatile you know I think that being versatile is really good I mean people have their strong suits obviously but I think everything correlates into you like what you said if you know you take somebody that you, you has a so-called fairy wand and then you you put them on you know some big bass tackle and you see what they can do wonders on and so I think that um, everything correlates back into other things, but it's just a matter of just kind of being open to people that are doing other things because you can learn a lot of how to be a very diverse fishing fishermen. And so that's why some of the West Coast anglers, and I'm not biased towards West Coast anglers overall anglers, but I would say that the one, the one uh, you know, advantage is being very diverse. Diversity and being like knowing how to switch things up. And I've, I talked to Greg Benson about this and Greg, Greg Vincent's like an engineer mindset. I swear that guy just loves the science. He loves the mechanics. He loves everything about it. And I'm like, he, he, I almost have to tell him to dumb it down a little bit because I think he's confusing people because they don't know what the heck he's even talking about. I think it's funny. But just talking about it, just there's so much 
like with the skill sets on the West Coast. And I don't know what your opinion is on that, but comparable to you, and it's not saying that like West Coast anglers are better than, you know, the Southeast or the East Coast people or the Southern people or whatever. I'm just saying that it just, we have such diversity with our fishing, with clearer water, some of the tackle, the lighter tackle, the finesse fishing, the, you know, the, the, with the swim baits and everything else. I mean, we just bring so many cool things and aspects to their side of things too and vice versa. Yeah, let me first make a point that it's not, was it Greg, his name? Greg Vincent. Yeah, it's not Greg Vincent's issue that it sounds so far-fetched. It's really the audience's issue that they don't understand what he's trying to tell them. Yeah. Right, let's, cele- let's celebrate the intellects instead of like the it. masses of the ones that can't understand some kind of concept. Yeah. Um, but let's take let's take this whole subtlety and uh, finesse game and use uh, a sports analogy, right? People that let's use basketball because that's my favorite sport. Guys that love to play in the paint are probably like um, power fishermen, right? Like they love being on the block. They like bumping bodies. They like posting dudes up, boxing out, grabbing rebounds. Like they want to feel like their opponent and like drop an elbow in them occasionally. Then you got guys, you know, that are a lot more finesse oriented, like, you know, perimeter players. So like the West Coast guys are probably more like those finesse guards and like they have to have a lot of savvy um, craftiness to their game. But when you get a low post player, let's take, for example, Shaquille O'Neal, who is a dominating force of power, but you have this incredible footwork and finesse touch in and around the basket to be able to control that power, like, holy shit, you got an unstoppable force of nature. And the same thing happens in fishing. Because of all that experience that I had with uh, a light setup, and it doesn't have to be just spinning. Like, I used to shake a Texas rig on six-pound line on conventional rods because I felt like I could get super in tune with that really light setup and articulate that plastic worm in the most subtle ways and that same kind of high level articulation as an angler and imparting action into your piece of fake plastic to fool these living creatures that it's real happens like on the other end of the spectrum for me now with this big swim bait. Like I put so much finesse into what people see as the ultimate power game. And those small little details are what creates this big gap in the consistent fish catches that they see versus everybody else. I like that. I like that. I, you don't hear that all the time where you say finesse with a big old swim bait. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have to have finesse in your game, especially with that heavy line, that heavy rod, that heavy reel, that heavy bait. Because otherwise you're just, think, you're just doing what some of these like tour level guys have like accused me of. Like, oh man, that swim bait fishing looks easy. You just chuck and wind that thing, huh? Like, <laughs> bro, are you serious? Like it's it's that's another funny human behavior. Like there's a, always that assumption is like, man, you must keep doing that because it's easy. <laughs> so let me let me look at the numbers here. There's literally tens of thousands of tournament anglers across the country, and maybe a couple hundred consistent trophy bass anglers. Yeah. What's probably easier? <laughs> Listen, I go down that road. 
But yeah, West Coast guys definitely have an advantage in my opinion. I mean, look at the content that we generate on our side. And it's because we have a vast experience um, base to, to draw from. We've got shallow, muddy lakes just like they do in the east. Right? We've got uh, bodies of water with, flo- with flooded timber, but we also have a lot of rock. We've got deep, clear canyon reservoirs. They don't have any of that nope. throughout the Midwest, throughout uh, you know, the south, the east coast. So we kind of just see a lot more. And on top of that, we get more pressure on average than most of those bodies of water um, east of the, the Rockies. You know, there's always, there's always exceptions to that, like Lake Four, Gunnersville, any of like those kind of marquee fishing destinations. Those guys get incredible amounts of pressure. Um, but we're kind of used to that here on the West Coast, especially in California, especially in Southern California, because like our bodies of water aren't even really lakes. Like they're just dammed up little tiny drinking water reservoirs that we call lakes. <laughs> like there's no 50 mile runs in California. <laughs> that I've done in, you know, other parts of the country. So it's all perspective. And uh, the fact that we have to deal with more of that adversity, and and this is another analogy that I use from my sports experiences to fishing, is that playing against a higher level of competition forces you to be better and pay attention to all the little things and work harder Mm -hmm. to achieve the same kind of results. So if you're used to having to play basketball against like D1 and semi-pro guys at your local gym, like I used to have to do at 24-Hour Fitness in Pointy Hills, shout out to all my boys that still hoop there. Like your game has to be up to even like get get onto the court because those dudes won't pick you up if you're a liability or if you're just playing freaking suck. But then you get used to that level of competition and if you get used to that level of fishing pressure, you go play against like some high school kids or just some like rec rec league like level talent, like all of a sudden, like your results are going to really shine. And it's because of the level of your competition that you're accustomed to dealing with. And I think that's the same thing in business too. And like, especially like content creation. And that's kind of our challenge right now is to somehow captivate more of this audience without sacrificing the integrity and the respect that we have for ourselves and the culture in the name of attention and likes and a big subscription base and AdSense revenue. Like we don't give a crap about any of that. If it's gonna uh, put the respect that I get from who I view as my peers at the top of the game, the guys that came before me, if, I'm compromising that level of respect. I don't care how much that AdSense check from YouTube is. I don't care what who what cheesy corny brand is going to throw uh, big checks at me. Like none of that matters, man, cuz it doesn't matter. Well put, my friend. I I, I 100% agree with that. Is I I feel like even with myself and the brands that I've created, especially with this podcast is Podcast, like say what we're doing right now, it has nothing to do with money. I don't care about the money. I don't care about any of it. I don't. It's not about fame, notoriety, or anything else, or putting names to a podcast or names to a brand of you know supplement company of Endurosport or any other brand that I create. And 
I, I've had a talk with Brandon because Brandon Polnick is like a brother to me. And, it, you know, we go back and forth and saying, you know, there's, there's people that come along that, you know, want to, you know, throw checks at you and do this and everything else. But does that take you away from why you're doing it in the first place? You know, are you willing to compromise those things? And, you know, he's faced it. I'm sure you faced it. You know, I'm facing it right now and I'm probably going to expect to face it going forward. And I don't think anything can ever tempt me to uh, go in the wrong direction because people will see that. They will know that you started off the way you were and now you're different. People know when you have a smaller company and the bigger you get, the more you lose those, that, that moral compass, you lose the why and like what the why of why you started it, you know what I'm saying? And, and for sure hurts you. It really does hurt you and people end up turning the other way. And that's one thing, even when you talk about like, say, for example, of having athletes to represent uh, the supplement company of Enduro Sport, it's, I never asked them to do anything, say anything that's not authentic to them. And it's not real to what they really feel about. And I feel like I have a responsibility. I have a really big responsibility to make sure that, you know, I don't turn, I don't ever get too big. I don't ever go after the wrong things to where I compromise the meaningful relationships that I've made throughout my community because really I'm doing it for them. It's not just for myself. Yeah, I want to be successful, but I want people to know that I really want to make a huge impact for them. And sometimes being the biggest is not always the best. Sometimes being the biggest is not always the best. Sometimes when you're a small guy and you're fine with being who you are, you, you naturally get there. And I think that you stick around for a lot longer than the other people that try to get it too quick. Yeah, a thousand percent agree with you, man. It's uh, it's a thing I face daily. And obviously the money part is important because that's part of the leverage that we need to, to utilize to bring whatever visions that we have to life right you if i want to really create a super dope kids based organization like you have to have money to fund staffing permits events like things just don't happen out of thin air you ultimately need the money to do it but if you're willing to sacrifice your integrity to get the money it pretty much circumvents the entire premise of what i want to do because who's going to really come to an event sponsored by Big Bass Dreams if they think it's just a lame, corny brand that's in it for the wrong reasons? Yeah, I would rather have 10 dope kids and their families come to a small event at Pudding Stone because they're the right ones than 10,000 you know, delinquents and you know, terrible parents teaching wrong things to their kids. Mm-hmm. I guess it, the quality over quantity theme always trumps everything for us, at least for me personally. So obviously when it comes to my brand, that's going to resonate as well. Yeah. I have one thing to even add to that is you see a lot of, I mean, we're talking even growing the, the sport of bass fishing and these are just the last points to the, before we close up. Uh, you see a lot of people trying to go after the outdoors see a lot of people trying to go after the outdoors. And I think that it's because they, you know, and I, some people come in for the right reasons. Other companies try to, you know, make like they want to get in and actually make an impact for the communities, but they don't understand us. They don't understand the outdoors. They don't understand what we do and what we, what it's provided to us. And you see money that tries to come through and tries to buy it all up. I get told every time, because obviously, you know, you're, you're connected. I'm connected too. I hear people that come back and say, oh, this, this brand, try to reach out to me to try to get into fishing and they're like, you know, 
try to throw money at me for it. And I'm just like, well, that's not like, I look, I know the brand and I know what they stand behind. And it's very sad. I mean, it's just like very sad that you see people that do get bought off of just the money and not more about trying to preserve what we have because you allow people that have no understanding for the really true meaning behind of what these things do for us and the communities. And it's just all about money. It's all about let's capitalize on the outdoor industry and the markets to make more money for our business because we can't relate to them. So we're going to go try to get somebody that is in the outdoor industry so that they can make us money. That's something that I see as a big problem nowadays because where is our world going to with business and brands and products and services and things like that? They're going after the outdoors. Outdoors is a big movement right now. And I know that you know this and it's only going to continue to get, get getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You look at probably your outdoor industry right now with what's going on with COVID-19 and everybody is spending a lot more money for outdoor mm -hmm. recreational, you know, things. And you see it yeah. going direction and you see brands and businesses trying to now seem like they care about this outdoor industry. They care about the people. And I feel like one of my biggest goals is, is something that I, I will always be behind is to keep the, the wrong people out of it. Because honestly, it's all about quality. It's not about quantity. Nobody cares about your money. Nobody cares about what you have. You know, honestly, it's about, about how much you care, how much you really want to make an impact and preserve what we have. That's right. Yeah. And that's yeah, man. It's a big thing, man. Yeah. Hopefully people don't lose sight of all that, man. It's, it's a lot to digest, especially guys at the, you know, the, the initial beginning stages of falling in love with this sport and the passion. But obviously, you know, most of us have big dreams and aspirations, whether it's, you know, regards to, the, the big fish that we're targeting or something in their life uh, pertaining to fishing as part of their lifestyle. Uh, just, but I think it's good for people to, to hear it because it's real insight, man. It's, it's real info and hopefully uh, it helps people on their journey, whatever their goals may be. Yeah. And you've done a phenomenal job with being an inspiration to a lot of people, not just in the sport of bass fishing, but as whole. I mean, I hear your name come up many times towards people. I'm like, oh, well, actually, I, yeah, I do know Mr. Oliver. <laughs> I do know the Big Bass Dreams. And so it's, it's cool to see the, the community you've built. And I know how many years has went into it. And I've been, I've been with it since the day one. Like, it seems like it's been around for a long time, like over, it seems like a decade almost. Like I was young when I was I was watching all of it and still following everything and what you do. So true inspiration, man. Honestly, and you know I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and just uh, you know share your story and the things that you do and it's just awesome, man. No, man, it's a uh, it's an honor uh, that anybody even cares what I do. Like it's it's super humbling, man. It's super cool and. Hopefully people don't get tired of all the content uh, I've been pushing out and there's plenty of it. If they want to go on a deeper dive, uh, we've got a personal YouTube channel. I've been putting stuff on. I started my own little big bass dreams podcast and it's not even big. It's to get, you know, less than a thousand views, but like, I don't care because the ones that are listening are, are finding value in it. And uh, you know, a lot of times they're the, same they're the same minority of people that really truly support myself and all the brands that I partner with that allow me to do what I do. So like someone may look at it at first glance and be like, Oh, like he's only getting like 800 views. Like what a flop. But, like, 
Bro, are you kidding me? Like, look at the life I'm living right now. You're going to call that a flop? Because all of this is important. It's just like the fishing. All of it works together. Amen. To create a result, man. Yeah, I love That's it. That's always the message. Always. So, yeah. Keep doing what you do, man. I'm looking forward to uh, listening to some of the other podcasts you guys got going. Yeah. No, I should be uh, – I have – probably about 50 episodes that haven't been launched yet, but they're going to be launched at going through a uh, rebranding process with kind of switching the name more to towards um, something revolt, like something that's a little bit more, you know, they're still going to continue the endurance sport podcast, but this will be the next series. So it will be like another rebranded series of kind of diving more into depth on people's lives and kind of make it interesting, man. I mean, I'm excited to put it all out there. And like, like you said, from, from, you doing the podcast and how many viewers and subscribers, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's a matter about the, the good people that are listening that are your supporters and it will naturally grow. You know, you're in it for the long haul. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And, you, and you're showing that you enjoy to do what you do. It's not about trying to be the biggest too quick. And I love that. I love what, what you stand behind, man. So um, I appreciate the support with everything too and our friendship and going forward. Um, what are the best, uh, like where people can find you on social media throughout like Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, et cetera. Yeah. Well, if you want like a quick hitting stuff, uh, like pictures and, you know, quick, terribly unwitty captions, you got Instagram for both Oliver and I and big bass streams. Uh, but if you want like a deeper dive and want to see like some more like in-depth video content, the big bass streams, YouTube channel has got 500 plus videos on it. Uh, and I've, like I said earlier, I've started my own personal branded YouTube page, and it's just Oliver and I, um, both of which are going to have continued content, and you're going to see a separation of the styles of content um, on both of those platforms. So and there's a little bit of a Facebook uh, presence still, but uh, the most engaged platforms are by far Instagram and YouTube right now. Awesome. And then uh, you said something about your big bass training. We'll give a little insight of that to you. Uh, man, right now that's kind of on hold because of the uh, current uh, lockdowns and quarantines. Uh, and really, I don't really advertise or speak on it too much. It's, it's, it's a really high-end, like one-on-one tr- personal training experience that I have with my, my clients that really want to come learn this stuff. Yeah, uh, on my, on the boat firsthand. Um, so if you guys are really interested in doing any of that, um, and it just depends on what your experience level is, and I can accommodate that. And uh, multiple species, I do it across the country. You know, we do uh, largemouth stuff here in California and in Texas, and big smallmouth stuff in Wisconsin. A handful of musky stuff now that I've been able to crack the code a little bit on those fish and. Uh, uh, really, um, it just depends on what you're looking to experience. But if you want to to try to explore that, you can email me, and it's just Oliver at BigBassDreams.com, and then we'll go from there. Awesome, brother. So, guys, don't forget to go follow Oliver and Big Bass Dreams. Um, I think you'll probably forever follow him because he's always throwing something new and something always intriguing. So it's been a great time just for even myself to follow him. If, just like, I mean, there's always something, man. I mean, you're always breaking out another big bass. And I think that's the coolest part where everybody looks forward to is that, that one big bite. 
and you hear it all the time and, and you're that guy. Look forward to uh, talking soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me and uh, appreciate all the listeners tuning in. Awesome. Well, we'll talk soon, Oliver. Appreciate everything. Okay, bud. Yeah. Take care, bud. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Lost Trip Show. If you enjoyed listening, go subscribe to my channel so you can stay updated on our new shows that will drop every week. We look forward to bringing much more successful professionals on the show to get to know their story and bring inspiration and the key tools you can develop for yourself to crush your goals and level up in your lives.